Cloud Inspires. Verhale Emense after the Cloud Transformation. Episode 5 with Esther Bartel. And the topic My Learning Journey to DevOps. Hi, and welcome to our fifth edition of our Cloud Inspires podcast. And today, with ever the Thomas uh, attended. Hey, folks. Priya, how, how are you? you? Fine. Funny times sometimes and a little bit um, surprising time. But uh, yeah, I have, I have changed my, my, my worker and now I have uh, some more projects on the roadmap and a little bit surprised what is coming next. And what is your? Uh, I guess it is for everyone a busy time because there's a lot of community events ongoing. We've got Christmas uh, in front. I think it is uh, four weeks until uh, Christmas uh, evening. So a lot of things, uh, yeah, really special times and really looking forward uh, to be back here in the podcast with our special guest. Yeah, and there are some community news and community meetups on our agenda. Did, will you start with someone? Uh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, so I think we have, yeah, in December, as I said before, uh, there's a couple of uh, uh, events and also conferences. So um, if you are interested in identity, I think um, there are Cloud Identity Summit is a good uh, conference to visit, but unfortunately it takes, <laughs> I think, maybe eight or eight, nine months before the next uh, Identity Summit will help. But uh, the Hybrid Identity Protection Conference uh, is running on the 1st and 2nd December with a lot of topics around um, identity protection and security. And it's my pleasure to be also one of the speakers. So if you are interested in AJAD and Hybrid Identity, uh, check this out. Uh, I've seen some slides conference. from you and uh, you have a big topics <laughs> on your session. <laughs> yeah, I think it will be a full packed session with a lot of demos. So um, yeah, really interesting to see, I guess. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, so also our colleagues from the Cologne meetup will take two meetups, uh, a Power BI meetup on the uh, at the end of November and uh, at the beginning of December, he will also uh, take half the Patrick Boscolo for the Azure Cloud uh, Azure Cloud developer for his meetup uh, to talk about some yeah cloud decisions, cloud uh, applications, and so on. And then I see some another topics from the Trust and Tech. Did you have more insights about the Trust and Tech alone? Uh, yeah, I think uh, Alex has a really interesting topic about uh, protecting endpoints. And um, I, I've just seen the, the announcement and I always recommend to visit uh, Alex Trust and Tech uh, events. Um, so uh, I think that will be in uh, mid of December. Uh, so check out, we will link every of the, um, of the events and also in the show notes uh, so that you have the chance to see all the that details on the agenda. And now I think we can come to our guest. Yeah, great. And uh, I think it was also a challenge uh, in our intro to uh, speak uh, in the right way, uh, the Mava language of our guest, but maybe uh, our guest can help us uh, to learn a little bit more in better Dutch. So we are really happy and excited to welcome Esther. 
Hi, Esther. Hi, guys. I'm really excited to be on the show. Thank you very much for inviting me. How Or are maybe you? I should have said that in Dutch. <laughs> Thank you all for the idea. idea. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry again. <laughs> Yes, I will say that again. So, dankjewel voor de uitnodiging. Ik ben heel erg blij dat ik uh, een gast mag zijn uh, van de podcast. Oh, I will. Um, I think no, that's probably we have to learn. more fluent yeah, than Thomas will pronounce it. <laughs> and, and I guess uh, in the past that Cologne uh, style slang will be also hard to understand, but uh, Dutch is uh, another level, but really nice to, to listen to this language. Yeah, so Gregor, we have yeah, a lot so, of questions, uh, I guess. Firstly, I think, uh, yeah, it's a pleasure to have you here on the show. And uh, so help us, give us a little bit insight about your, your journey. So I know many of you are... Yeah, knowing you from the community, but give us a short introduction, uh, introduction of you, please. Okay, um, I'll, I'll try to keep it short. So the short introduction of me was that um, I started, I think, um, still in, in high school when my dad brought, brought home a computer and I figured I would start programming and uh, make it do all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, but unfortunately, I wasn't that smart to understand the whole programming. So I figured, uh, because unfortunately, a uh, career with the Navy was not in the cards for me due to something with a minimum height. Um, so I figured um, studying computer science would be a great alternative because that would allow me to fully understand uh, how to make that computer do what I wanted it to do. And during my studies, um, I was mostly focused on information systems. Um, and um, for, unfortunately, the programming part didn't work out so well for me. But understanding information systems and how to use a computer in, in, in a, as a tool definitely uh, gave me some great insights. And uh, the other thing that I definitely learned was uh, problem solving in a more analytic and um, uh, methodology kind of way. So doing it step by step. Uh, so after my uh, master's in computer science, I wanted to conquer the world and had to land my first job. So I started building web uh, pages. Um, and for those of you who have been around in the ind industry for quite some time, I started building web pages. Well, first of all, during Uh, the, uh, my time at the university using Notepad. So I did understand all the markup language. Um, but my first consultancy job building a web page for um, a ministry in the Netherlands uh, was all done in uh, Microsoft. And I'm even scared to say it out loud front page. Yeah, so, not really. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Did you yes. say the word front page? <laughs> yes. So I used. Uh, so the, um, the design um, team would uh, give me the, the input and the design in Word, and I would copy and paste it to front page. 
And then I would open up the pages once again in Notepad and remove all the different tags that front page put in the code. So that was uh, basically the first job ever as an IT consultant. And it's um, so, so great to, to hear that because I, I see myself as a, in my school job. I said also I make some web pages for, 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 for local uh, companies and so on. And I've also used front page with all the clean code approach or not. <laughs> and uh, maybe there was another tool, right? Dreamweaver, right? That yes, was for the yes. Google that came Weaver, after. Yeah, yeah right. I yeah. think Microsoft was the first to, yeah. introdu to introduce a web editor with front page. And then uh, you got the whole Dreamweaver and Dream Suite. Yeah. Uh, that had so much more ability. So that made me very jealous. Uh, but for me, the focus first was front page. And then right. I convinced uh, the ministry and the team to also include some uh, dynamic calculations using uh, JavaScript. So okay. all of a sudden, I was confronted with scripting again. Um, well, I knew at the university I wasn't very good at it, but uh, th thankfully, um, uh, managing scripting is still something that, that I discovered uh, works for me. So I definitely do not want to call myself a programmer because that was not in the cards, but scripting, yes, I can manage that. Um, and basically, after that experience, um, well, I, I always was very curious of what the impact was of the things that I built on the entire ecosystem. So for the um, for building that web page with a whole uh, web form and calculations, I was always interested in how do I optimize uh, uh, or make sure that the user experience is not impacted. Back then, uh, in the time of front page, we also had modems and internet modem connections. Um, so that meant that I uh, deliberately decided to do all the form calculations on the server side and only stream the, as, uh, the minimum information back to the client, things like that. So I had uh, extra notes in the web page saying it might take a little bit of time before this page is rendered because it has a complex uh, form in it uh, just to make sure that it was optimized. And that basically set the first uh, stage for my journey of curiosity of impact in the ecosystem. So I transitioned from uh, building web applications to, um, well, more complex web applications at an ISP. Um, then I became more focused on server management. Um, I was a DBAer for uh, a month or so, I think, because I was also interested in, in how databases work. Um, and then slowly drifted to more, uh, yes, server infrastructure management or administration. Um, and back then, um, it was very important to not just be a generalist, but to be a specialist. So my manager basically asked me, okay, Esther, it's been fun that you've been testing all these different systems, but please pick one and become a specialist in, in one area. Um, and I was doing 
uh, server administration uh, for a customer, where they also uh, were going to introduce uh, Citrix uh, uh, for yeah. virtual desktops or uh, back then more um, uh, remote desktop, uh, shared, ho hosted shared desktops. Um, and basically, there was a specialist doing all the, the cool Citrix stuff, and I was just doing the logon script. Uh, with uh, Kickstart uh, or Kicks uh, back in those days. So lots of uh, um, <laughs> timed <laughs> experiences. And then I figured... Yeah, some some of this from Marcel, or he has also some, uh, take some in this area and uh, yeah, invest some many time in this area also, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, but that, um, what I really loved is that it... Um, uh, challenges you to uh, um, to um, use that analytic part of your brain, and it feels like puzzles trying to get yeah. everything to fix or, or, or fit, or which building blocks like like commandlets and and functions do I use to to get to the end result? So I really enjoyed uh, creating those logon scripts, uh, but I also realized that I had still had to answer my manager on that specialism. Uh, and the cool part that I uh, thought or that I noticed with Citrix is that it basically covers the entire um, infrastructure or ecosystem from the end user device all the way to that published application or that published desktop in the data center. Um, so I figured with my natural curiosity to want to learn all the different steps, um, I would just tell him, okay, I want to be a Citrix specialist and then still have to deal with applications and uh, workstations or, or, or uh, desktops and, and networking and, and even gateway. So he was very happy that I picked a specialism. You <laughs> have was the very general happy. Yeah. <laughs> view about that's, all. That's, that's yes. Um, so that launched my career into becoming uh, a Citrix or an end user computing, as we call it today, specialist. And I've been, uh, well, I've been started as an administrator doing all the basic stuff and then slowly work my way up to, uh, well, what I now call a solutions architect uh, with an end user computing uh, focus. Um, so at least that was the very strong focus for uh, up till like five years ago and then, or seven years ago, and then I discovered uh, PowerShell and uh, automation. And I was really intrigued, not just by automated deployments, but to also use PowerShell for automated configurations. And back then I had a customer where I was helping them automate their uh, Citrix infrastructure uh, deployments and configurations. Uh, we started with a storefront, the web interface. And um, um, I was also asked if I would be able to help them with uh, the Citrix NetScaler or ADC as it's called today, um, with a reconfiguration because they wanted to add an additional data center location to it and make sure that the, the new configuration was up to date. Um, I, I basically got a speed course on NetScaler configurations uh, from uh, Citrix Consulting um, uh, for like two days. 
that definitely helped me understand all the network components because I, I understood the basics from previous experiences. And now I could really focus on uh, what it meant from uh, a Netscaler perspective. And then I challenged myself uh, privately <laughs> in my off hours to, um, to turn everything that I learned through clicking to the management console into using the REST API interface that the Netscaler had. And so I was creating a lot of PowerShell scripts to uh, automatically configure the Netscaler uh, uh, in the way that it was supposed to be. And that gave me a whole new uh, uh, community career, so to speak. So all of a sudden, people started to notice that I was giving presentations on Netscaler automation uh, because I felt it was very important that we could also include that in a full deployment uh, and configuration of the Citrix infrastructure. And um, I got the nickname Nitro Queen somewhere <laughs> in between because okay. Nitro was the nickname for the REST API on the Netscaler. So all of a sudden, uh, people started to notice me and um, um, uh, well, acknowledge my, my experience and uh, knowledge sharing. So that was pretty cool. Um, but um, that REST API journey also triggered with me that there was so much more if we're talking about automation. And uh, that led to also switching about two years ago more to Azure and focus on the whole DevOps options that you have and Azure automation. Uh, because that's also REST API based. So everything is a REST API yes. nowadays. Right? So there's a whole new <laughs> world to discover. So yeah, I got really excited. And um, especially the last two years, I focused more on uh, Microsoft, Azure, mm. and DevOps. So yeah, what is yeah it? it's been What's a great journey. A big journey. So I oh, have seen yeah. you, uh, I mean, three years ago uh, with some big sessions about yeah automating Citrix Netscaler. So also with um, with Carsten on the stage. And yes. you yeah, you doing a lot of, of these things and these sessions and many I see some projects and big uh, at big customers are also really interesting, have some <laughs> have seen some insights. It was yeah uh, and the Netscaler automation was also a little bit quite complicated, so I have seen it. Um, how And you was also a CTP for a long time. It is yes, right? I still am, to be honest. I think this is my seventh year in the CTP, the Citrix Technology yeah. Professionals programs. Um, and um, I think I got in, um, first of all, because they also wanted to uh, div uh, create a more diverse program because up till then uh, it was unfortunately only men that were part of the CTP program, which is uh, uh, at that time was a maximum of 50 people worldwide that were invited to uh, or awarded as a CTP. And uh, the year I got awarded um, three women um, no, yeah, three and, and I, so a total of four women entered the program as well. So that was like awesome uh, moment. 
Uh, it also meant that the first year I felt a bit nervous if I brought enough technical knowledge to the table, but I guess with all the presentations, uh, I definitely proven my technical skills as well. So yeah, I'm very proud to be part of the CTP program. And, and I think it's also very interesting to, to hear you yeah, yeah, have engagements in the Citrix community and also in the Microsoft community also if uh, it comes about some, um, I think, approach discussions about DevOps, which is, in my opinion, independently from the discussion, uh, what kind of product do you use? But for me, it uh, will be uh, really interesting to understand is it that you have two hearts, uh, like uh, something related to Citrix and Microsoft? And how do you, do you say, said before, you are not a developer. You will not name yourself as a developer. How is your um, estimation when it comes to DevOps and your own person? Do you think oh, you are more yeah. the ops in the DevOps or you are more the uh, trainer to bring the two groups together? That will be really interesting to understand with such a background. Yes. Well, I guess that really uh, focuses on um, the current project that I'm doing um, and one of my customers. Um, and the, the focus of my latest presentations, to be honest, or the latest presentation. Uh, so what I discovered in the, the past two years, um, because I was doing my own transition, first of all, I felt uh, I'm just an automator with PowerShell scripts. And then the whole DevOps uh, movement came along. And then I realized that I still was... Uh, especially at the beginning. No, that's not true. <laughs> Up till like uh, six months ago, I was still struggling with a lot of uh, tools or uh, methodologies that come with the whole DevOps culture. And that made me uh, very aware of the fact that I am an ops by heart and I am transitioning to that DevOps role. Uh, but that also meant for me, it feels like um, if you have ops on one side and dev on the other side, the DevOps is more uh, closer to dev than like that in the center. Um, and the reason for that is um, there are a couple of things, and I will not do the full presentation, but there are a, a couple of things that I think explains it very well, is coming from an ops perspective, first of all, we have um, a lot of focus of, as a solution architect on creating design documents, making sure that we answer all the questions and translate all the functional requirements to technical implementations. Um, and then uh, we start building it. And at the end, that's the first moment when we go back to our stakeholders and ask, did we actually deliver what you asked? And if you look at how developers approach it, they have shorter cycles. If you look, especially if you're looking at agile and scrum teams nowadays, they have these shorter cycles where they have multiple moments where uh, basically they are asking um, um, in different iterations, are we still on the same page? Mm -hmm. uh, do we still comply to your functional requirements? And if they don't, uh, they, they tweak it a little bit, and then with the next iteration, usually after a month or so, they, they have that checking moment again. So that's a whole different approach from a project perspective. Um, and the other thing is that 
from an ops background, we are very um, uh, we are very much programmed to be reactive to incident reports from users. Uh, so basically, we're trying to make sure that our infrastructure environment is stable. And the minute uh, users report incidents, we are zooming in on what is going on. Where um, in a DevOps approach, you're much more, you want to be in control and you want to be make sure that the state that you configure is also still there. And, and that you, like I said, you want to be in control of all the settings. So that means you do more active monitoring, you do more proactive responses to uh, triggers that you see that might explain or, or predict some instabilities in the environment. So uh, I think that means that we need to change our mindsets a lot. Um, and then there's this whole um, transition from having one folder with 10 different versions of a script that is like, that has <laughs> like local that server. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that has like uh, um, extending disks on my machine. Uh, underscore 2021 it 11 works, as the month <laughs> yeah and then go like which script did work again i forgot so um and then going to a source control system uh which does all that for you and makes it more flexible and and allows you to focus more on the code itself uh yeah that's that's a whole different level uh, and also um, the, the collaboration part where it's more important to share your knowledge and your code than to be that, that one hero that fixes uh, uh, everything for a user. So there are some differences between ops and dev that definitely need to come together somewhere. I must must add to the, to the story that you describe about the script with underscore to manual uh, version control. How I can name that? That is yes. for me one of the thing that you always win the hearts of the uh, admins if you say, "Hey, this is not only a source control; it is your backup, your compare tool. You can uh, scale it out. If it works on this machine, it would would work also on other machines. I think uh, there are some pros uh, arguments that uh, also uh, win the hearts of the operation. Yes, so. yes. And so getting back to that uh, whole DevOps focus. So right now I'm helping, um, and I don't mean this disrespectful in any way, but help traditional admins transition to that DevOps role and to adapt to a new way of working, collaborating, using source control tooling, and, and automating even uh, daily maintenance tasks, uh, which, which has been uh, uh, a very interesting journey. I think uh, so lots too. lots of challenges, yeah. But because, uh, before we come to this point, so you, yeah, you, uh, uh, named some interesting points, but and I see that you are doing a lot of yeah also sessions with fracked person in the past. But uh, what are you think about what is your your approach to get the right tooling? You also you did you more you have an infrastructure as code based uh, yes. journey for the DevOps, but. I see so you do some sessions about um, ARM templates and in more focus on bicep. Um, yeah, what is your 
language uh, recommendation and what is your more approach uh, for for a good tooling about this so so did you using github did you using azure devops so yeah, it's quite interesting that is definitely interesting question and i guess uh, the safest answer always is it depends like the consultancy answer <laughs> <laughs> uh well and and to to elaborate a bit more on that i um um, so for me personally, I love uh, working in uh, Azure. Um, so right now that's because that's uh, I have easy access as an MVP to, to the environment and have some credits so I can play around with the different Azure services. Um, so that uh, means that um, at the beginning when I started the whole DevOps and, and was doing my own tool selection, um, it was easy to just use tooling that would focus on uh, Azure uh, environments uh, uh, exclusively. So that meant that the ARM templates, because I discovered that you could easily um, get like a base template from uh, the Azure portal. Um, so it became easy to slowly grow into uh, generating uh, ARM templates from the portal to making some modifications and to building my own ARM templates. And then, uh, especially with uh, Freik Bersen, um, he introduced me to Bicep. And once again, Bicep is, um, and I have to say this correctly, of course, it's a domain-specific language. Uh, which is especially created to make sure that it becomes easier to create ARM templates because ARM templates can be quite uh, complex in um, writing them down, getting the syntax right and, and uh, all the JSON uh, configurations in there. Um, and Bicep makes it very easy because it's a much more intuitive uh, because it's declarative language to use. Um, but once again, that's only for uh, only for Azure. Um, so as MVP works perfectly, um, using it to um, automate the creation and configuration of cloud services or Azure services, perfect tool because it has that zero day support because it's using the same uh, base as um, ARM templates as the Azure Resource Manager. So when, uh, you, when you introduce this, will you say, or did you recommend to when when we yeah um, writing ARM templates is also a, a yeah a big recommendation to take also a look at Bicep because yeah it's yes. the next step on the or the next improvement for ARM templates. Yeah, and especially because um, if you get started, then Bicep is so. Um, uh, allows you so quickly to have your first configuration up and running. Um, and um, even nowadays, you can use your BICEP files directly with uh, the AZ deployment PowerShell commandlets or the AZ deployment uh, Azure CLI uh, commandlets. So you don't even have to make that translation step from your BICEP file to an ARM template first and use it you can now directly use the BICEP files. So definitely would recommend to start with BICEP is if you are new to ARM. And the other way around, um, if you are very uh, uh, 
experienced in using ARM templates, um, it still makes sense to, um, to maybe even use that decompilation function in BICEP to uh, translate your ARM templates back to BICEP um, and see if that will make it even easier for you to, um, to reuse your ARM templates in a new standard. Because the knowledge transfer to the other team members that might be less experienced is, is so much easier. Uh, but once again, BICEP, ARM templates, that's all very Azure focused. Mm -hmm. um, so the other thing that I'm doing, especially when customers say, well, I want to be able to support a hybrid environment where I still have resources on premises that I want to control with DevOps. Uh, but I also have resources uh, in, in a cloud uh, like Azure or maybe even AWS or Google Cloud. Um, then I would definitely recommend them from an infrastructure as code perspective to look at HashiCorp Terraform, because that gives you the flexibility of what they call uh, use multiple providers for um, um, building templates for your um, infrastructure deployments. I think it's also an interesting journey. So I have um, followed the bicep uh, right now uh, a year i mean and yeah there are quite interesting um, versions and new versions out out there and i also really um yeah can uh yeah recommend also to to take a look at terraform for hybrid cloud or multi-cloud environments so when we take a look at the tooling which tooling did you use did you use for the yeah for coding uh, on page. <laughs> oh, he was paying attention very well, Thomas. Great answer. Um, <laughs> yes, so actually I started with uh, GitHub uh, and GitHub Actions uh, because basically I was doing this presentation at the Virtual Azure Community Day and uh, they said, oh, that's really cool, ARM templates. And then I had a question from someone in the audience that said, okay, but um, I've seen you use PowerShell for this. Um, so what do you think about GitHub Actions? And I was going like, uh, I don't know. I haven't used GitHub Actions yet. So that for me was my first challenge to start looking at real or real to start looking at more workflow supporting tooling for, for DevOps. Because before that, I was still very much PowerShell because that's like my comfort scripting <laughs> language, uh, very much PowerShell focused uh, and building my own workflows in, in PowerShell scripts. Uh, so my first uh, exploration was in GitHub Actions, really loved all the uh, built-in actions that you can just select and uh, configure. Um, and then, of course, also um, shifting to a more DevOps role at customers. Um, I'm now also using Azure DevOps a lot, uh, which makes it also easy, especially uh, for enterprises to combine your uh, Kanban boards, the boards for, for your sprints, for your backlogs, for all your user stories, and then directly linking them to the different repositories and code that you have in there. 
It's also a yeah, interesting uh, discussion. And uh, Thomas, I also, um, yeah, a little bit curious about your um, your experience. So I see a lot, I, I like the Azure DevOps um, um, service because you have great tooling, you have a great overview, you have also great Kanban boards, but for the repository, I also more like the GitHub way because it's for me a little bit clearer. How was your experience with that? Two different services, they are come, coming closer and closer together. Yes. Um, so um, I think even though I was using GitHub a lot with the repositories and, and making sure that I could easily share my code with uh, the community, um, I still didn't understand all the branching and uh, pull requests and how everything is merged back and forth. So I still needed a lot of help from my community friends whenever they said, oh, Esther, you just fork it and then create a pull request. And then um, um, even with presentations, then your presentation is now part of our repository. And I was going, sure, can you walk me through that step by step? Because uh, yes, I have a repository, but I have to admit if I'm um, taking code from one branch because someone in the past told me you need to have a developer branch. And I was going, okay, I'll just create a branch, call a developer, put some code in there. And then all of a sudden I was only focused on that branch and coding. Um, so it took me once again, like six months ago until I really started to um, uh, read up about branching, branching strategies. And now I'm able to fully understand why we are creating different branches. Because if we're collaborating with more people on the same code base, um, you might run into the challenge that you are both working on the same files or the, or the same uh, feature or, or almost feature-like. Um, and if you're developing, you want to have a lot of test runs of your code. So if someone breaks that code because it, we are all working in the same branch uh, or the same code base um, and someone breaks their, their piece of the code or adding something to it and I'm testing my part, then the full stack is changed. And that means that it introduces a lot more errors that I cannot troubleshoot because all of a sudden the errors that I'm seeing are not in the code that I'm working on. So that means you have to keep changing your focus. Um, once you learn from a branching perspective, um, and, and the easiest way to explain this is that you create like a branch for every sprint that you have, because that allows you to focus on that feature set. Um, then you create your own sub branch, basically, of that sprint, um, just like a user branch or a feature branch. And then you can actually focus on that code and just know that you are the only one making changes. And when you do your test runs, you know instantly, okay, this is these are the changes that I made. This is the behavior difference that I see. Okay, now I can troubleshoot. So that's how I explain to myself the importance of branches. And then, of course, to prevent like a wild spree of 
uh, like all these branches. Yeah. Um, the other part, the other half of, of that process is at some point I'm done developing my feature. And that's the moment where you basically want to give back to uh, the team and you want to make sure that everyone can use your improved code set. So that's where the pull requests come along because you need a system to uh, basically say, copy the changes from this branch to the other branch, compare them, let me know what the changes are and, and merge that code. Um, so that's what a pull request does. That's what I learned. <laughs> and and th there's also for the security guys very interesting because uh, this is a, a little bit of my view on this topic. So I really love what you said about branch policies because if we have some GitHub actions that are automating and uh, doing some uh, Azure resource uh, deployment, I really like to have also pull requests and changes on the pipeline that someone will be approval the steps or also we have the permissions to, to modify uh, indirectly my resources in Azure. So really huge topic, I guess. We have to invite uh, Esther for, for a deep dive session about DevOps security oh, and policies. That yeah. will be, I think, really interesting. But Sounds great. But, but for me, uh, maybe as a, as a final question, uh, what will be your top three recommendations for, uh, for a listener of our podcast that say, hey, this DevOps stuff sounds really interesting, seems to be the next big thing. So what will be your top three recommendations to start uh, this, the journey or the study on, on DevOps? So unfortunately, my presentation at the AVD Tech Fest is not on YouTube yet, I think. So I cannot provide you uh, with a link yet. Uh, but um, you are triggering me. Yes, to... that you are coming to the Azure Bond meetup also. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so I'll definitely do the presentation there and make sure that uh, because I um, that's one of the things that I learned that it's very important to not focus instantly on all the tools that are out there uh, because we're, we're technical people. Uh, we love to immediately jump into the new, cool, shiny tools and just go, oh, what does this one do? And then forget about the fact that there's also a lot of processes around it. Uh, so what, what, one of the things that I'm doing in the presentation is zooming in specifically on those processes and the changes in mindset. So if you want to get started with DevOps, I think it's important to understand that Agile Scrum a way of working uh, to make sure that you can collaborate easier and to understand the purpose of those short cycles, uh, because then you have those multiple moments to, to double check if you're still on the right course. Uh, but it also allows you to do more like a prototyping way of development. Uh, where you can just uh, have more freedom to test out an idea, see if that works. Um, and you also have more freedom to just say, okay, this is definitely not working. I'm just going to throw this code away. Sorry that it cost me some time, but I'll take the lessons learned or the knowledge learned with me. And then this new approach will, will be a new creative process. 
And I know that's very scary from uh, uh, for administrators yeah. to just delete stuff. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's yeah. the cool part about your source control. Even though you're deleting it from your current branch or future branches, it's still somewhere in the history. So you can always get back to it. No worries. Um, so that's tip one. Focus on the agile process and, and how that works. Uh, the other tip is to... Uh, definitely look at VS Code um, as your code editor, because it's not just a very rich editor, uh, but it has these really cool extensions that will help you um, get started with different codes. For instance, the bicep language that we were talking about earlier. If you install the, the extension in VS Code, you instantly have like a litter function in it that will tell you if the syntax is correct or not, um, if there are problems because you're not using the correct words, but it also has that autocomplete and even has full snippet support that allows you to just select um, like pre-written um, code blocks that you can instantly throw in your uh, files. So that will definitely make life easier. Yeah, um, absolutely. And then one more. Um, so don't be afraid of the everything as code movement that is going on. Even though uh, I personally always grew up with a GUI uh, uh, and some sort of management console to have that visual confirmation, um, once you understand the, the syntax or the format of uh, what I call a template and a bicep file can be a template, uh, Terraform basically uses templates, uh, the ARM templates, those are all examples of um, making, uh, of um, locking down your desired state in a file and using some tool that could be terraform.exe or bicep.exe, tools that are already have that smart translation in it, um, use tools to translate that declarative uh, code into the resources that you need, either in your private cloud or your public cloud. Wow. So I think those are the three uh, focus areas. Yeah, and, and I and think the most important tip is missing wizard a session from you, right? Then uh, <laughs> I think that's the, the best start to to uh, uh, to the journey as a professional DevOps engineer, right? Yeah, I keep forgetting to promote my knowledge sharing moments. <laughs> I would yeah, do that I was for you. Right? Say, I, I always be happy to, to ha even have one-on-one -on -one sessions with, yeah. with people okay. that have questions. Great. And, um, Yes, I have to say um, that I was pleasantly surprised after the, the presentation that I did uh, for the AVD Tech Fest, and I'm definitely coming to Azure Bonn for, uh, to, to make it even a cooler presentation, that I got some feedback from one of the attendees that said, wow, thanks to you, I do not feel like I'm too stupid to understand DevOps, but you made it so clear uh, you helped me in uh, feeling more confident and excited about this, this whole DevOps journey. And that, to me, was like the awesome compliment because that meant yeah. 
that the knowledge that I share or the experience that I share, the struggles that I share, uh, definitely helps someone else. And that's, uh, well, yeah, that's it's the awesome. best compliments that I get. That's, yes. Yeah. Well, that will be it now hard for us to switch to our uh, pre-announced quiz that we yes. uh, made with our guests. And uh, we, we hope you are already excited about uh, to, uh, to be one of the players for our quiz. And Gregor, uh, should we jump into the first uh, question of the quiz? Should I start with the first question? Are you or I? Um, um, let's let's. Uh, I think the the other questions are more related to you, so you are <laughs> more the expert. I don't know the right answer to that. <laughs> okay, I will start this one, and then you can take the next one. Okay, so so we switch a little bit the topics. That's okay. That's fine. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now you make me very curious. Yeah. So. Oh, it's some easy questions for you. Um, we have a question for about the. Citrix uh, history. Oh, and okay. What was the original, original name of Citrix? Oh, oh, that's an evil one. <laughs> oh, I used to know that, but it doesn't ring a bell. And um, I'm too honest to just Google in the other screen to see if <laughs> I know it. Uh, no, I know it was... Um, it is not a not a question for the CTP program. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't for my uh, application. I didn't have to not answer yet. that one. <laughs> no, um, a, I know it was more uh, Citrus uh, focused, but uh, no, I'm not entirely sure what the original the white was. word. This was Citrus. It was with the yeah, orange. Really. Okay. Yeah, oh, and this awesome. was changed because there are some. Uh, trouble with the name because there was the name was also claimed by another um, company and they then changed to Citrix. Wow. Okay. So I did know the answer. I just wasn't so sure sure enough to yeah, uh, but, but say that's it a out point loud. For you. So okay, that's the point. Awesome. First question, first right answer. Let's go over to the second question. And this is more a general history question about technology, but okay. uh, maybe, uh, well, let's figure out if you are also aware of that. So which technology that I name here was not invented by Xerox? Wow. MP3, Evernet, mouse, user interface. As was a graphical user interface. Yeah, yeah, I would go with MP3 because that's a music standard. Okay. And there will be a bonus point if you know who has invented um, MP3. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I just know that I used the, the file format, but no, I'm not sure which which. Okay, audio. yeah, that will be the extra hard support okay, okay. level. So we will uh, uh, resolve the, the or giving you the answer. It is MP3 that was not invented by Xerox. All other things um, are um, uh, invented by the Xerox Labs. And there's also a nice side note because Adele Goldberg. I never heard about the name, but it's really interesting to to read the story. Of, um, of, uh, of, of her because uh, she was the co-founder of Smalltalk 
and also uh, will be named as one of the mothers from graphical user interfaces because that was wow. one of the first things. And she's also one of the founder from the Xerox Park research. And that was the institute by Xerox who has invited so many great hardware things in the world. But um, I think there was Apple and other companies that was um, maybe some, find some inspiration about that. And MP3 was uh, invented by the Fraunhofer Institute. Oh, I didn't know that. that that's it. That's cool. Yeah, I would Rigor. probably go for like Winamp or something like the tool. <laughs> Front page Winamp or back to the good old days. <laughs> Or are you using Winamp for a lot of time? For a lot of time. So, final question. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Um, and I got to a also old or historic question on Citrix because um, did you know about uh, who is Ed Yakubuki? Yeah, I think he's one of the founders of Citrix. Yeah, absolutely. And I and think he, he created the ICA protocol, if I'm not Yeah, mistaken. absolutely. You are right. But the question is, what his, um, he get a job offer before, before he start with um, uh, Citrix? And did you know which job offer he got? No. Uh... I am hoping that it's Microsoft, but I'm not entirely sure. Unbelievable. You know this. Yes, he got a job offer at Microsoft as a CTO. And I'm really surprised that I, yeah, that I have uh, read this in some yeah, history about Citrix. It's really surprised me. Yeah, well, I knew there was this strong link between Citrix and the RDP protocol, of course. Because yeah, Citrix yeah. already started at the beginning at providing added value to the protocol and then developed uh, their entire uh, stack of their own or their own protocol. Uh, but no, I didn't know for sure uh, if it was Microsoft. But, but I heard that as a, a CTO for Azure, you get also nice job offers by AWS. There was this, <laughs> this I saw a tweet. posting or tweet from uh, Mark Rosinovich uh, that you yes. get some offers as a support engineer for AWS. So that can be a great career jump start yes. uh, to be Definitely a Definitely great Azure. plan B. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. But I think very well. Uh, done. Yeah. So that was a lot of uh, difficult. Applause, applause. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Great. Wow. No, I'm I'm just happy that I got I got the quiz right because oh. I almost couldn't sleep last night trying to <laughs> to to figure out what kind of questions you might put in the quiz. But this is awesome. Thanks. We, we have some outtakes uh, for for questions that have not um, passed our quality standard uh, to be named here. We will do that after the recording, and maybe okay. there will be a special edition uh, around Christmas to release them as well. I don't know if you, that is something we can do, but uh, it would be a crazy. That idea. would be fun. Yeah. yeah. So, wow, that was a real pleasure. That was really and the cool. time flies so fast. I know. Yeah. I, I could talk for hours, but uh, <laughs> okay. I think everyone already knows that about me. <laughs> so I, I like this. I like this also. Yeah. yeah, and we're look, looking forward to to meet you in person, hopefully next year. Oh yes, and, uh, really. Meet up in Bonn. Yeah, definitely looking forward to that one. 
So it's it's specially marked in my calendar to make sure that I have all the time and, and focus to, uh, to to meet you all and just uh, well, it, it still feels weird to, to meet yeah. people in person again. Uh, but yeah, I, I learned this last two years that that's a very important part of the whole networking, socializing and connecting with, with your community friends. Yeah, and I think we missed this all. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Okay, great. Oh, thank you so much, Esther. It was a pleasure for us thank to you. host you at our podcast. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for having me. And I look forward to, um, well, joining you again in a future episode. Yeah, great. That will be a pleasure. So take okay. care and see you soon. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.